Well, our moms think we're funny. Hi, everyone. I'm a Comey. Thank you for that, because I was like, dude, are you really leaving it up to me to start this <laughs> off like <laughs> no. that? Why does Medusa look like Starfire? I don't know. This is this is that animation company that, like, really cuts the budget. <laughs> they're, like, they're like a version of, um, of, like, 1970s Hanna-Barbera and Rankin and Bass. <laughs> yeah. I'm like Rankin and Ass. Um, <laughs> oh, look, it's uh, Miss Marvel with her embiggening powers. Hey, hey, a noble spirit embiggens, you know, <laughs> the smallest man. <laughs> it's just such a good word. It's a perfectly cromulent word. <laughs> embiggen. <laughs> it's, just, it's just that... I'm sure the word is perfectly serviceable, but you see that in conjunction with this picture of this chick with these stupid big hands. It's just embiggened with these big hands. It just, it cracks me up, dude. Well, they, they took embiggens from Simpsons. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> that, that's the quote from the Simpsons. Uh, Can when, we uh, it's, it's when uh, they, it's the, see, it's the episode where they're having um, uh, Jebediah Springfield, uh, they're celebrating him, they're going to have the parade. And Lisa finds out that Jebediah Springfield was actually the murderous pirate Hans Sprungfeld, who actually had a real silver tongue. And it's a great episode with Donald, uh, <laughs> Donald Sutherland um, as the uh, as the the museum curator. Anyway, so they're sitting there, and there's a um, on the on the statue of Jebediah Springfield. No, it was um, it was the video they watch in school, and uh, and he's like, uh, and Jebediah goes. A, a noble spirit and biggins the smallest man. <laughs> and Krabappel and Hoover are there because it's a, you know, the class is watching a thing. And I think, uh, I think it's Krabappel that says, she's like, you know, I never heard the word in biggins until I moved to Springfield. And she's <laughs> like, I don't understand why it's a perfectly cromulent word. <laughs> and now both in biggins and cromulent are in the dictionary. That's awesome. That's, that's amazing. I love that. That's spectacular. <clears throat> That, that does not make Miss Marvel any less stupid. <laughs> I think that's kind of cool, the fact that she just that she uses Embiggen for that. It's, you know, <laughs> I think it's kind of cool. Because, I, mean, just, I guess because it's just a, such a Simpsons reference. And Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. I mean, I get it, though. Uh, outside of that, though, it is kind of dumb. But it's a Simpsons thing, and I'm a Simpsons fan. Yeah, so. yeah, totally. Um, no, I, I, didn't, I didn't think about it as a Simpsons reference. But now... See, seeing her does, of course, make me think of Mr. Fantastic, because he's kind of like the... Of course. Kind of like the original, but um, somebody posted on Twitter recently that it's, uh, it's like, the Fantastic Four, uh, the first issue of the Fantastic Four came out on whatever date it was back back in the 60s, you know, they, they gave the exact date. And they were like, many elements of the canon were established at that time, but none quite so firmly as Reed Richards' inability to read a room. And so it's when they're all joining hands, and Ben's like, no, I've, I'm not going by Ben anymore, I'm exactly what Sue called me, I'm the thing. And, and Reed's like, and I'll call myself Mr. Fantastic. <laughs> like, God, it was so good. <laughs> you know, um, outside of... Um Outside of Silver Surfer and uh, and Johnny like getting all the powers and stuff, mm-hmm. um, the second one, Rise of Silver Surfer, is not a good movie at all. Yeah, I heard it was a pretty bad movie. <laughs> it's it's not. I mean, like I said, the the Silver Surfer is great. You know, um, Doug Jones is is, is incredible. Um, and then the scenes with him are great. The whole Galactus thing is just, that's just a fucking travesty mm-hmm. um and then the scene where they like he johnny gets all their powers and stuff like that um that, that's kind of cool just from a, like a really straight straight up geeky you know uh like perspective now here's the thing the scene in the movie because they're gonna get married right mm-hmm. and um and sue was like she's like oh and uh alicia's like you know you know what's wrong she's like i've got a pimple she's like hold on and then she uses her, her powers and she concentrates and she makes the pimple invisible. And she's like, now I just got to focus on that one spot, you know, for like the next hour. And I'm like, yeah, that's not how it works. Because <laughs> that's a, that is, it's not like, like, like something stuck on your head. There is some kind of irritant under the skin uh-huh. that is, uh, that is agitating the, uh, 
either it's not normally a hair follicle, it's normally a, um, like a sweat gland or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. And so that is causing basically a mild infection that is then raising your skin because it's building up underneath it. If you make that invisible, you just made a hole in your head. <laughs> like, so people are looking straight into like either your skull or your brain. You just don't make that invisible. Like you made that part of your skin invisible. So people are seeing like, through your epidermis, like, right? Like, <laughs> that, that, that goes, that doesn't look any worse. No. <laughs> like, why am I? Like, thumb-sized dent in your forehead. <laughs> so why am I looking at your skull? I had a pimple there. I didn't want to show. That looks better. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. <laughs> but, uh, but I was going to say, and it's not a great movie. The first one isn't, but I have to say that I do absolutely adore Chris Evans. Oh, yeah. And he's the, he's the best. Chris Evans is he's really what makes that movie. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, old dude is like amazing at everything he does. So, but yeah, I, that's um, uh, he's he's the, he's the great. He's the best part. It's like you know, I picture that, but everywhere. <laughs> gotcha. So um, um, <clears throat> he actually he he makes the movie great. Uh, I do want to point out, because I think I made this one before, but maybe not on the channel. There's a, um, there's a scene in the movie, in the first Fantastic Four movie, where, uh, um, it's when Johnny goes to the, um, like the XP games or whatever it is. And then, like, Johnny, we're supposed to be keeping this, uh, a secret. And he and Ben get into a fight in the parking lot. Mm-hmm. There's a black guy watching. And, um, and he's on the phone talking to somebody. Cause, you know, cause everyone, everyone's watching this whole fight between the, the Fantastic Four, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. And he's on the phone talking to somebody. He's got the phone up to his ear, cell phone up to his ear, and he's talking like, yo, you should be seeing this. He's got his phone up to like this left ear, and his right ear is a Bluetooth headpiece. <laughs> and I'm like, um, apparently you clearly don't know how this works. What are you, like my mom? Like, <laughs> I, I, I thought that like, you put that in so so that it blocks the noise from the other side so you can hear on the phone better. Like, no! You're supposed to hear through that thing! <laughs> Maybe they're doing, like, the whole trope where the person's, like, got a whole room full of telephones. It's like, you're not gonna believe this! <laughs> like a, like a handpiece in either hand and, like, one propped up on their shoulders. Like, yeah! Johnny Storm himself! It's <laughs> probably all they were doing. <laughs> Hey, Stan! Stan! It's your cousin, Myron! Myron Lee! He knows those new superheroes you want to... I love the idea of Stan Lee just having a cousin named Myron. A black guy, too. I thought Excelsior. Excelsior to you, too, Stan! Have a nice day! Oh... See, that's we finally the, have a recurring character for this season. <laughs> that's one thing they haven't done on Robot Chicken is like is Stanley opening up a box and inside is just a bunch of like packing stuff. And he's like Excelsior. <laughs> <laughs> that is so much. That is so a Robot Chicken joke. It is. It is. <laughs> robot Chicken, we call us. <laughs> yeah, they, they probably will now since they, the show's not on the air anymore. Oh yeah, they're probably. Well, they're like, probably. <laughs> they'd be like Turk Akomi. <laughs> <laughs> You know whose jobs you wanted? <laughs> well, now you can have them. Like, yeah, you know, now, now that we're not busy doing the show, we, we had time to listen to the podcast, we would have loved to have hired you back. <laughs> anyway, see ya. Uh, you know what? I would take that. I would take that rejection and I'd be like, okay, you know what? Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. It's like not really a rejection because you, you're like, oh man, too bad. It's like, it's like when Snoop Dogg pops up in, in half baked. It's like you know we sell that. That's a shame. I just quit. You know, <laughs> I, I would, I would, I would fully accept that, and I wouldn't have any problems with it. Is if at the end, I'm like, yeah, man, hey, man, we wish we'd known. We would definitely hired you guys. It would have been great, man. You're you're done in Broadway. Would have gone way up, but we didn't. So, um, and all of a sudden he goes, bam! You all get a taste of bitch pudding. And I'd be like, oh yes, <laughs> like, yeah, dude. I, I would not be angry at that at all. I'd be like, yep. Okay, I'm good. I'm good. Oh, I love bitch, bitch pudding so much. <laughs> bitch pudding is pretty great. Mm. Um, 
So, uh, what are we talking about today? Because it has nothing to do with Bitch Pudding, the Fantastic Four, or Stanley. Well, it could. I could. Um, <laughs> so we have been, once again, talking about one of our favorite topics, slasher films. Ah, yes. Uh, particularly Halloween, but, uh... You know, I, I feel like we might be able to include some others in there. Oh, oh, okay. I misunderstood. Slasher films. I thought you said slash her films. I thought we were going to talk about porn again. <laughs> yeah, we do talk about porn a lot. Mm, I don't know. We could talk about it a little bit more. We could. I could watch a little bit more. We, hey, why not both? We could do both. <laughs> oh, yeah, we could. You know what we should do? We do a podcast of, like, talking about porn while watching it. <laughs> be like, that would be really awkward. Like, dude, I'm so hard right now. You have no idea. <laughs> like, you know, you know how like after you eat a big meal, like I don't know why. Why is this not acceptable, right? I mean, pe- people are gonna say like, like, well, I can tell you right now why it's not acceptable, but it should be. So, like, you know, you eat a big meal and you come back and you're like, oh, I gotta take, a, I gotta undo the top button of my pants. Like, oh my goodness, right. you're like, man, this movie is so hot. I gotta just undo the top button of my pants. <laughs> <laughs> I just gotta make some room here. Like, woo. <laughs> Yeah, you see that? that? That makes me think about how cringy that scene is when Donnie Darko gets hypnotized and he like starts snaking his hand down his pants. It's <laughs> like, oh no, no, nobody wants to see that. Stop it, Donnie. <laughs> it's naughty, Donnie, naughty. <laughs> I like the 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 uh triple X version of it. Donnie goes Darko. So <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, you know, um, <clears throat> I, I think it was probably around season two or season three. We were doing a lot of stuff with like movie reboots and how we would handle that. And mm-hmm. you know, we 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 did a couple episodes of like film theories. Yep. Um, I know we did an episode where we would like feed each other the title of a film that we would make up, and then the other person had to come up with a description. Oh my god! I just got it, man. I just got it. Okay. Y- you're gonna love this. You're gonna love okay. this. Okay. So Mike Myers kills his family. Wants to kill his sister, kills others of people, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No idea why. You have no idea why he's doing it, right? Right, right. So Mike Myers grew up in Haddonfield, Illinois. Yeah. Like yep. Okay. You know what they never tell you? Well, I'm sure they do tell you in the movie. I'm just going to pretend like they never tell you this, right? <laughs> you know what they never tell you? Uh-huh. Is what street he grew up on. Ah. Uh, okay, I think I see where this is going. Yeah. So what if Michael Myers... Like family took part in the killing of Freddy Krueger, huh. and in in Michael's dreams, he's been manipulating him this whole time to make him go out and kill these people. Ah, okay. And that's why you don't have a reason for it. Yeah, because it's all because it's all Freddy behind the scenes. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I I do, and you know, we said this off mic, but I do feel like you can do better with Michael's motivation than what Rob Zombie did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because I don't I don't think being bullied for being a weirdo is enough to justify you becoming this like unstoppable like force of nature that Michael Myers is. Right. Um I mean that's I think that's the one thing about the Halloween movies that is I mean outside of I'm okay with Michael not having a like us not understanding his motivations. I want to know, but at the same time, not knowing. Like when you know, it takes away the mystique. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, so like if you found out that you know, oh well, uh, his his parents were you know molesters, or they beat them, or you know, maybe maybe he finds out that his parents really are his parents. Maybe they, maybe they kidnapped them hmm. from someplace, and you know, who knows what? When you find that out, though. It gives, it gives a purpose and it, it kind of like encapsulates everything to where it's like, now I feel a particular way about it. Like, uh, I feel that he's justified or he's not justified or mm-hmm, whatever, but, mm-hmm. but it, it makes sense of it. I like the idea of him, of it not making sense, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like, you know, cause it's, <clears throat> it's, it's like when, um, when and you see it all the time in the news, right? Not to bring reality into this, but you see it all the time in the news. Somebody, you know, Go somewhere, shoots up someplace, you know, police show up, they shoot him, and they're like, we have no idea why this person did that. <laughs> yep. Yeah, sure, we'd like to know, right? But, but you're never gonna find out. Mm-hmm. Um, it's mm-hmm. like, uh, I was talking about that Abel Ferrar movie, uh, Fear City, I think it was called. Yeah. <laughs> you know, where the guy is going around killing the strippers and stuff, 
and like you never find out the name of the killer. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and uh, like you never find out really why he was doing anything he did. In the actual theatrical release of it, the guy that played the killer's name isn't even in the credits <laughs> because That's he wanted because he wanted it to be like like this. This is anybody. It's just some guy that just went off his nut. Yeah, yeah. And you're not always going to get a, you know, a nice, like, answer or, or reason for anything. Sometimes shit just happens. Yeah. And you have yeah. to accept the fact that you'll never know why it happened. That's one of the things I like about Mike Myers. Like, like, you know what it is. You really want to know. But when you, when you pull away that mystique, mm-hmm. then it's like, it grounds him in a way that I don't want him to be grounded. Right, you know? right. And, and it, it makes, makes him too him, relatable. It makes him sympathetic. Yeah. yeah. That's exact, that's exactly it. And, you know, it, it's like you said, you're not in danger of dying to Mike Myers unless you're related to him or you get in his way. Right. Like, I think the only person who he kills unprovoked in the first film is the mechanic. And that's just because he wanted his coveralls. But, like, other than that, you know, Michael just kills people for a living. Yeah. Doesn't really matter. Dogs, kids, old people. He just loves killing. Yeah. But, it, I mean, and it is very much a force of nature thing. He's very indiscriminate with it. It's just like... You happen to get within arm's reach. Not my fault. You shouldn't have done that. <laughs> I mean, I like the fact you didn't say, there I go, kill him again, because Michael doesn't talk. <laughs> right. So I just, I, just want, I just want to point that out and say kudos for you <laughs> for, for not tossing it in there. It have been so easy to do. Took a, took a lot of self-restraint. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, you know, we talked about, like, you don't, we know there's no reason as to why... Or I assume that reason there's no explanation as to why Michael can withstand as much as he does, mm-hmm. you know, and I think you can explain away a good bit of it with the understanding that he doesn't know how to die. Hmm. Okay. So, and this is this more of a psychological thing that it's not really going to hold up physically, right? I mean, if I cut your head off, you'd be like, yeah, well, yeah, I don't believe in death, so screw you. Like, you know, it doesn't <laughs> work like that. But it's like when someone has a, um, a, um, like cancer or something like that. <sighs> it's official. I have cancer. Um, but it's when someone has something like that and the doctor tells them, you know, well, uh, you've only got like, you know, eight weeks to live. Generally, that person is dead within two weeks yeah. because they kind of give up. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. now it doesn't really make any sense. Like, if I fill the balloon up with air and then I slowly start to let the air out, and I'm like, okay, based at this rate, it's going to take like a week for all the air to leave out of this balloon. Uh, and then the balloon's like, you know what? No, I don't believe that. And then just <laughs> it just automatically deflates. <laughs> like what? Like that doesn't make any sense. Like no, no, it should take this long for that for that to deflate. That's how that works. You know, so. So for you to just like all of a sudden just like, blah, you know, like, but people kind of give up. And when you, when you give up your body in a sense, it's just like, well, okay, like why fight it? Right. This is what you said you wanted us to do. So let's do it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and when people are like, oh yeah, well, you know, I don't believe that I'm going to, you know, fame, I'm going to live forever. No, well, you know, sometimes you can fight it and sometimes you really can't, but that, that indomitable will to say, I'm not going to let this stop me and I'm going to. I'm going to continue on. It's, it's, it kind of, in some ways, I think kind of helps give the body that extra strength, that energy, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. um, to, to, to push on. And then you also treat yourself differently by saying, I'm going to fight it. So you start doing things that are going to help energize your body, you know, you know, uh, give it the, you know, that additional, I don't know, like power needs, like where you're walking every day now. So, you know, you, right, that kind right. of stuff. So, so it's not, it's not like it's an, like it's an absolute that like, you just because I, you know, I don't know, I can't die. Um, or like, uh, like that guy from, uh, Sandman is like, oh yeah, no, I think people only die because they, because, you know, they believe that they're going to, but yeah, as long as I don't think that I'm going to die, then I'll live forever. And that's, <laughs> like, and that's like, hey, bro, you have some fun with this guy? <laughs> Which is actually a really, really good story. If you've never read that, or uh, I listen, haven't yet, no. it's, it's, it's really good. Um, but um, so I think there's a lot to be said for that. So if you take Michael Myers, who was what was he like eight, six, six, yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, so you take him, and you know, six year olds, like when you're, I guess maybe up to a certain point, maybe ten or eleven years old, 
you, as a kid, you hear about kids dying, but normally it's because they did something stupid, yeah, right? Yeah. Not, not always, but you know, it was like, oh. Like messing you know. with me. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, you know, he decided to go tap dancing on that bridge, you know, like, <laughs> okay. But, but you know, the kind of the rule is that kids don't die. You know, kids don't die. And as a child, you think that you can do pretty much anything. Kids don't die. And the part of also because, you know, your parents got to try to hide that from you that kids can die. Like, you know, kids don't die. So as a six-year-old that pretty much kind of stays in that sort of six-year-old mindset because he doesn't really grow up the way that a normal person would. He doesn't learn things. He's not going to school. He's not engaging with other people and getting any kind of social skills, right? So he still kind of has in his mind some of that same six-year-old mindset of like, I don't really know what it means to be hurt. Mm-hmm. You know, like, oh, you broke your leg. Like, well, if the bone doesn't pop out, your leg hurts and you're like, I think it's broken. Everything feels like it's broken to you but right, right. You know, as a kid. But like, you don't really understand the gravity of, of things like that. So, yeah, you may fall off the second story of a house after getting shot twice <laughs> and it hurts like shit. But then you're also like kids don't die you know it's yeah, like that kind of thing yeah. is like like i don't know what it means to to feel like i'm dying i don't really know what it means to be hurt like this it's just pain which i still don't like so i think part of it could be attributed to that now granted you know that's still not going to like automatically put blood back in your body when you're like losing it by the pint but right <laughs> uh but i think i think some of that stuff though you know when he when you get stabbed or you know, stuff is like you know it's like that's okay you know i keep going you know, it's, <laughs> you know and, and then when you grow up to be like a fucking like refrigerator of a human like Mike right. Myers does. Again, I don't understand why we let like psychopaths like use the gym. Right. And if anything, you should just pump them full of, like 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 you know, ho hos and <laughs> and cakes and everything. Let them be just big fat grotesque monsters that can't do shit no matter how much they want to like cut your head off. Like, oh, oh yeah. <laughs> that that's our slasher movie. It's just some some big fat guy. They try to neutralize his murderous tendencies with with junk food, and then he just like he escapes, and he's just like sitting on people. <laughs> oh, what if he's actually just wearing a fat suit? <laughs> and, and, and like, it's like, twist at the end. Yeah, and he, he's just, like, like, there's like, how is he doing that? And then like, the whole time they see him over there, like in the corner, just by himself and stuff. And they go over there, kind of, kind of like, uh, like the end of Psycho. Yeah. And then they, t- and it falls over and it's just a hollow fat suit. So like, <gasps> and he was just unzipping out of it every night and stuff. They're like, how's, how's this guy doing? And he's, he's some lithe on his feet. He's like John Belushi. How, how does he do it? He's like a gazelle. Yeah, the fat suit falls over it, and like all like the snack food falls out. It's like he never ate any of it. He never ate any of it. <laughs> <laughs> like cuts to him on the rooftop with like a celery stick. Is like <laughs> I was never fat at all. I was thin, bone thin. Call me Slender Man. <laughs> oh god! <laughs> oh, oh. Still better story than real Slender Man. Um. And so, no, um, but I think that, I think that you can attribute part of that to it. You know, it's just like, I, I don't know what that feels like, you know, yeah, so, yeah. or I don't, it's not, not knowing that, oh, you stabbed me in the chest. You know, that's a, most people are like, oh, hell, I'm dead, you know? <laughs> so that's, that's the first change we have in our reboot. Everything plays out pretty much the same. And then it gets to where, like, Lori's defending herself. And she stabs him, mm-hmm. and then the camera just like cuts to like an external view of the house, and you just hear. <laughs> Roll credits. <laughs> okay, you know what we have to do? We have to do a scene where where Michael's like walking after somebody, and he trips and falls and skins his knee. He does a Peter, but but there's no noise. He's just sitting there holding it. And he's just, <laughs> just moving his head. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> mm. uh, you know, you know. One thing I would add. One thing I would definitely add in, which it, it would I would add it, but then I would have to cut it because it would just it would just ruin the whole vibe of the movie. <laughs> so I'd add it after you cut it, make a deleted scene. But be um, it'd be like um, what's that uh. You know the movie Staying Alive? The sequel to Saturday Night Fever? Uh, I know of it. I okay. haven't seen it, but. There's a part where John Travolta's character is walking down this, uh, he's walking down the sidewalk and he passes this guy and it's like 
like, like fur coat or whatever. And it's Sylvester Stallone. He's like kind of all rich. And it's like kind of like almost like bumps into him. And he's like, hey, and he's like looking at him. Well, Stallone directed Staying Alive. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So that's his little cameo there, right? And it's like, like, oh, hey, I know you. I mean, hey, I knew you. <laughs> yeah. So, but where, um, where like Michael is walking down the street and, um, he passes William Shatner and Shatner like stops and looks at him like, <laughs> <laughs> almost like he's looking in a mirror. <laughs> no, so I would add that in, but then I have to take it out and make it a deleted scene because. Okay, so it's, so that's that's our opening scene is that little six year old Michael is watching Star Trek, mm-hmm. and he's he's watching Captain Kirk do all of his awesome martial arts, this yep. Kirk maneuver. There we go. <laughs> We've got his motivation now. <laughs> and then we'll uh, we'll have a scene like it's like like the the retro get killed or whatever, and. Um, and he's like, you know, he's like, uh, he's like, the Retro always, the Retro never dies. It's like, the Retro always dies. It's like, he's like, that guy, he, he's like, he's always plays a red shirt. So, <laughs> so, so he's, and that's where Michael gets the idea that he can't die. Yeah. No, yeah. no that's just stupid. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, so, well, like, we, we established that he, that he loves William Shatner, right? And then we, we do cut to school. We let him get bullied. And then he tries to do the Kirk maneuver where he, like, interlaces his fingers and he hits the bully. And oh. it, like, breaks all of his fingers because that's realistically what would happen. And he's like, this sucks. I'm going to start using a knife. <laughs> uh, so, that, okay, so here's the big twist, right? Mm-hmm. It's not that Michael Myers doesn't talk. It's just the world's longest William Shatner pause. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, I, I think for for a truly great Halloween reboot, we don't really need to to change anything. You know, we just we kind of do like the Omen did and just do like a shot for shot remake, except for the very end. Because at the end of the first film, you know, Loomis like shoots him in the head, he shoots him in the chest like five times, he falls off the balcony, and then he's like, "Oh, that where's the boogeyman, Laurie?" And they turn around and he's gone. Mm-hmm. So then what we do is we just tack on a little post credit scene where it shows Michael like. Crawling down the street, and you just hear, woof, 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 It's like, you don't understand. Michael never talked. The whole time he was in the asylum, he never talked except for once. Just one time. And this is what he had to say. Michael, tell me, you killed your parents. That was a very bad thing. Why'd you do that? It's fun to do bad things. I like doing bad things. I like doing bad things with my friends. I just stabbed your parents. You stabbed your parents. I don't care about them. I don't care about none of those people. And in case you guys are unaware for all the podcasts, Boondocks, but it's a direct link to Halloween. Yes. So, so see, I'm keeping it together, man. Keeping it together. We're not going too far off topic. To be see yourself. Um, I don't. So in the in the Rob Zombie version, mm-hmm. you know, we established that you know his parents or his stepdad or whatever he is. Kind of a piece of shit, and you want him to die, right? Yeah. I, w- I want him to die so that I have Sherry Moon Zombie like myself, but yeah, that's just me. Yeah, I, I, I know. I know. <laughs> um, um, but I don't, why I like that, I don't like that too, because again, it kind of sets him up. It's like, oh, he did, this guy was a dick, and so he was just, you know, doing what needs to be done because this guy was a dick, and, you know, mm-hmm. he was. You know, perving on his sister and all that kind of shit, you know. I think it would be better to start them off as showing them as a as a really nice family. Yeah. Not 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 like like that that sickening sweet like, hey there guys, how are you? <laughs> you know, but like like a really good family. Like the father, you know, is uh, helps him with the homework. He and, and mom have a great relationship. You know, like the kids are happy. Mm-hmm. Michael's not shown as being unhappy, um, you know, and, um, you know, but, uh, you know, so, so their deaths come out of the blue. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and which makes it even more shocking, like why, um, 
why why would he do that? And like, what what would what about any of this? And don't give him any kind of motivation, like he's watching horror movies on TV. It's like no motivation at all that you can tell, which still makes it like, why would he just decide to do this to what appears to be a very loving family? And yeah. then no no like sinister like box under the bed or anything like that. <laughs> no, yeah, like a copy of Mortal Kombat, right? So. And Michael runs out and rips off his mask. Like, Mortal Kombat! <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it's like nothing like that. So you, so you, the whole time you're like, like, you're still wondering, like, why? Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, and then the, you know, the, you know, for whatever reason, the sister like lives or gets away or something. Who knows what? Um, but you know, we just, we don't, we don't have any reason behind it. And I think the the more normal we make the family and not make him an outcast of it, yeah, yeah, <laughs> the the more jarring it is, and the more you wonder like, what is it about him? Now, if you want to still go by down that that kind of like, he's just the embodiment of evil. Um, that that's still fine too. Like you can just say he's the embodiment of evil, but evil doesn't necessarily have to have to be sinister. Yeah, yeah, he could be evil and still just be like that kid. Like like the even even like when you show him like killing them, right? Like, if, if let's say the, the mask comes off while he's killing, you know, like, you know, one of them, and they're like, you know, Michael Watt, and there's no expression on his face. Yeah, yeah. Like, he's not, he's, he's not happy about it. He's not sad. There's no, but, but, and he's, but he's not also not disconnected from it either. He's right. clearly there in the moment, but it's like, there's, like, he, there's nothing to him. Like, there's, this means nothing to him. Yeah, you know? yeah. There's nothing it, that he's expressing. It's not, it's not like he's getting off on it or anything. Right. Now, I really like that idea because so often in horror movies, like, it, it's one of two extremes. It's either podunk trailer trash, which is what we got in the Rob Zombie remake, right. or it's spoiled rich boy psychopath. Mm-hmm. And there, there's very rarely middle ground where it's just like, oh, he seemed like such a nice boy. Where did this come from? And so when we get to, cut to Loomis and him in the, in the, uh, cuckoo clock, right? Mm-hmm. And then Loomis comments, like, you know, I, like, for all intents and purposes, like, this was the perfect family. You know, Michael got, you know, he didn't get straight A's or anything, but he got decent grades, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. there was no, there was no history of anything brought, you know, with the family, no trauma, nothing. Like, they, there was no reports of school. Like, none of them ever got in trouble, they got in trouble or anything, you know, like, this doesn't make any sense. And then, when you see like the drawings that Michael does, right? Mm-hmm. They're all happy drawings. Yeah, yeah, happy drawings of him and his family. So it's not even like like well, like was there something hidden underneath or whatever? It's like no, there's no reason for it. Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> I mean, really, and and you know, I've I've talked about this kind of thing where like I really like jarring genre shifts. You can even show like these these little moments of showing. Him doing things that are close with the family. Mm-hmm. Let, let him do the little Andy Griffith fishing trip with his pa. You know, let, let it let it be that like his mom brings him out a sandwich or whatever while he's playing in the yard. You know, let it, let him have some interaction with the older sister. <coughs> Sorry, no. you know, like show all of that. Show that he is part of this happy family. Yeah, I would think what we would want to say that that um. He's like, he he's he's portrayed as being entirely normal, mm-hmm. and like he stops talking during the murders, or like right, like like during the murders, like, like he doesn't say anything during that. But that at that point, that's when he stops talking. Right, right. You know, for whatever reason, again, we don't explain why. He just doesn't. So, like, so it's not like he, we have to say anything. Well, you know, he doesn't talk or he doesn't do this. Or whatever. like, like he's seen as being just a regular member of the family. And, you know, and they make that night just an average night too. nothing special. Like they all came back from having ice cream and something like that. Like, no, it's just a regular, just everyday night. And, you know, and then well, the, the murder takes place on Halloween night. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, like we need to do that. But like even that should just be run of the mill. It's mm-hmm. just like, all right, going out trick or treating. Well, be safe, son. Yeah. Like that. That's it. Like, let it come so far out of left field so that if anybody's approaching this franchise for the first time, they have no idea what to expect. You know, I would actually would go as far as like he goes out, he goes trick or treating, comes back. Um, you know, the the family the, watches a movie together, right? Like, <laughs> like they 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 um, you know, he gets to eat some of his candy. Mm-hmm. You know, no no griping or whatever. Everything's happy. You know, he goes to bed that night, 
Um, and then in the middle of the night, he just gets up, puts on his costume, goes and grabs a knife, and that's it. Yeah. There's no reason for it. Nothing that leads him to it or anything else. He just, that's just what happens. And then, of course, he, there's no talking. Yeah. And even when he gets up, like, he doesn't just draw, right? He just kind of like, just kind of stirs awake. He yawns. Yeah, it was almost if he's getting ready to go to school. Mm-hmm. And he just goes mm-hmm. and then does that. Like sits, and, sits up on the bed and just kind of stares off into the darkness for a minute. And then, you know, uh, maybe, uh, like, uh, like, you know, while they're being attacked, one of them calls 911, but of course they don't get a chance to say anything. Please show up there anyway. And, you know, because of 911 call and they find him there and amongst the, you know, his dead family, they, they you know, Killed, but not now in the same room, obviously, but a, a one of the bodies, and he's just sitting there, like sitting in his cell on the floor, holding a knife in his hand or something, just kind of just staring, mm-hmm. you know, like. And then, of course, they there's no fuss from them. They just pick him up and and you know, of course, they talk to him and everything. He doesn't say anything. He just kind of just stares off. But again, not not a vacant stare, like very present in the moment, but just just kind of just there. I wonder if there needs to be some kind of, like, intervention to explain why the baby sister survives. Um. Because, like, in the Rob Zombie version, he's very protective of her. And that removes a lot of the threat. He keeps chasing her down, chasing her down, but then you realize, it's like, oh, wait a minute, he was cradling her in his arms and he went out of his way to make sure she was safe as a baby. It takes away a lot of that underlying threat. It's like, oh, he's going to kidnap her. He's going to tie her up and all that. But is he going to kill her? I doubt it. Okay, so, and this might this might take it down a wrong path, but I think it could also still make it so very um, ambiguous. So when he's killing, like when he's like you know killing them, and uh, maybe he's like he's you know killing the dad, and of course he's going to be trying to fight him, uh, and. And then he comes after the mother and she's like, you know, she's screaming, you know, Michael, please don't, I don't. And then, and obviously by this point, he's probably killed the sister first and then the dad. And then, and she obviously sees like, you know, oh my goodness, um, you know, if, if he kills me, then Lori's going to be next. And she's like, please, Michael, please don't, don't, don't hurt Lori, you know, don't. And, you know, and he, he kills her and he doesn't. Hmm. And you don't know whether it's because she asked him not to, or maybe it never was his plan at all. Now, because she asked him to, it could lead some people to believe that he didn't do it because she asked him to. Um, but, yeah, there's no, you don't know why. Yeah, yeah. But she says it, and, and, and again, since there's no expression on his face, you don't know whether he took that to heart or what, but he doesn't. And so, again, <laughs> I think it could give you some ambiguity there as to whether he did it, but... Why would I give a shit about your dying words when I'm the one killing you? Right, right. right. Um, so. <clears throat> um, try this on for size, because I, I like, I like your scene of him just kind of like sitting in the floor and then the police show up and kind of take him with no fuss and muss. Yeah, I didn't want him watching TV because that just seems like, yeah. you know, this seems way too removed. Yeah, yeah. What, what if he's eating like a bowl of cereal or something? Oh, yeah. <laughs> like he's just moving on with his day. It's like, okay, it won't be long till school. So, like, we, we show this bloody aftermath. He's he's there on the floor eating a bowl of cereal. And then he hears Lori start crying upstairs. And so, still totally expressionless, we see him stand up and start walking towards the stairs. And that's when the police show up. And so, they can still take him, no fuss, no muss. It's not like, oh, there's this last second thing of, like, tackling him to the ground. Okay, so how's this? Like, um... They bust in, you know, they're like, and the police are, you know, like, you know, hello, you know, it's like, uh, you know, calling for people or whatever. And they see him at the top of the stairs. They hear the baby crying. They look up. They see him at the top of the stairs holding a knife, obviously covered in blood, and then start walking towards the room where the baby is. They run up there. They get into the room. And when they get there, he's just standing there just rocking the cradle back and forth. <laughs> the best yeah. net. I like that. You know? Like, never, you know, never any intention of, of hurting her. But, again, you still don't know why. Like, and then when you look at everything, it's like, there was nothing about this family that said that there was anything going on. So, why, like, why not kill her? You mm-hmm. know, like, why them, you know, why? I like the, it, it still leaves it to kind of the same way it is right now. Like, why, why, why? 
Right. Don't right. know. Um, uh, uh, but any thoughts on who you would want to uh, to play Loomis? <laughs> uh, well, okay. Um, Mark McDowell did an incredible job. He did spectacular. He, he was easily the second best thing about those movies. Hmm. Um. Now I'm just I'm just asking. I'm not saying this is an idea of mine. I'm just asking. How would you feel about a female Loomis? Hmm. That could be interesting. It would really take some decent casting because Loomis is kind of a badass. Mm-hmm. Like as soon as he sees that Michael's escaped, there's like no question. It's not like. Oh, we need to capture him and, and continue with with bringing him back to normalcy. It's just immediately like, okay, time time to bust a cap in this motherfucker. So, oh, you know what I'd love is a scene with um, Loomis, um, like when you know in the Rob Zombie one, um, and I don't remember like any Loomis interaction in the original, um, but how he tells him he says. Um, like, well, Michael, I'm not going to be your doctor anymore, blah, 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 all this kind of stuff. Well, there's that kind of scene right there where he's like, I'm moving on. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's, he's kind of he's kind of very frank with him, too, about the reason why he's moving on. He's like, I've done pretty much all the thing I can for you. Um, like, we've reached an impasse here. You know, technically, we reached an impasse like four years ago. Mm-hmm. That was the last time I got any kind of reaction out of you. And I'm still no closer to finding out, like, why any of this happened. Like... You know, anything to, to kind of make you pass to, to, um, whatever it was that, that made you do this to get, to reconcile that and, and deal with it or whatever. And Lewis says, you know, I think that the reason that that is because like you don't want to, that you don't want to be better. Like whatever it is that made you who you are now or, you know, who you became is what you want to be. Mm-hmm. And you don't want to, you don't want to be, you know, cured by me or anybody. So I can't do anything else for you. Um, but, you know, you are my patient. And, you know, as long as there's, you know, oh, so you were my patient. As long as there's, you know, there's something inside of you that, um, that is still innocent and pure that needs to be like, you know, kind of, have all this other stuff excised away so we can get back to that. As long as, as long as that person's there, you know, then, you know, I think that you deserve to live here in the asylum. Hmm. But if you ever leave this asylum, I will kill you. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. I mean, he just, he lays out to, it's like, I know who you are inside. And I know that if you ever leave here, then it's just going to be full on rampage. You know, here you're not going to do anything, right? And I'm, I'm content to let you live and then not advocate for anything else as long as you stay here. But if you ever step foot outside this hospital, I will kill you. So I think that scene would work best <clears throat> as a flashback. So we, we show Loomis looking for Michael. And then when you have that first meeting between them and like you do like wide shot, wide screen shot of those two facing each other from across the room. Camera pans over to Michael, and then you see that flashback of that conversation. And as soon as Loomis says, I will kill you, then that's where it flashes back to present. Loomis whips out a gun and fires at him. Okay, so I like that, but I want to I want to add one thing. Tell me what you think about this. Okay. He has a flashback. He goes back, and he pulls out the gun, but when he looks, he doesn't see adult Michael. He sees little boy Michael. Oh, nice. And he hesitates. Cause like like I may, I said that right, but it's still like like there's still that little boy there. Like we've mm-hmm. never we've never he's never aged any right, physically right. has, but mentally he still hasn't. Like and I threatened the little boy, right? You know, yeah. and he hesitates in that moment. Like bam, Michael's gone. Nice. And nice. then he he's like he's like shit. You know, <laughs> it's like that was my shot. Like that was my chance to. And it's like and I messed. You know. Which then, of course, just makes him even more determined because then the next person that dies, it's like, mm-hmm. I shouldn't have hesitated. Like, that's my fault. My bad. My bad. <laughs> uh, I'll do better next time. Just give, give, give me another chance. Um, 
You know, now that you mentioned a female Loomis, I can kind of picture Tilda Swinton as Loomis. Really? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I can like, see that with, with kind with kind of more of her androgynous look going on there. Like, imagine her with like the like this sort of short hair, the sort of business approach, and like pantsuit. Yeah, I, I could see that working. Okay, so give her some like pince nez glasses to make her look all sciency and smart. Yep. Okay, so I add one thing to that too, right? Is when she finds out that Michael's escaped. Like she goes to like in her house or her office, maybe her office, right? And she goes into like the closet and there's like a like a box and this key, she opens it up and inside is like a big ass gun and a couple other things. Nice. Like, what the hell is that? And she's like, I knew that one day he would escape. Nice. Yeah, it's nice. like I I knew it was like because it's something, it's not in his nature to stay there. Mm-hmm. You know, he was going to stay there. He was only there as long as he wanted to be there. And one day he was going to decide he didn't want to be there. It was, it was just a matter of time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Cause if you, if you are his doctor and you've been his doctor for years, mm-hmm. I mean, that should be clear. It shouldn't be a surprise when he escapes. Like he escaped, you know, like, not like how that happened. Like he escaped. But yep. What? Yeah, it's like, yep, that, yeah. <laughs> and of course, it's like, you know, well, if you knew he was going to escape, why would you tell us and do what? What would you do? Right. <laughs> like, I mean, it, I mean, yeah, like, I'm saying, when he's going to escape, you're going to, the first thing you'd be like, no, he's not going anywhere. It's like, it's like, you know how many people have tried to escape from our facility or some, <laughs> some shit like that, right? right? Like, like, no, it was a bit of a waste of my time. <laughs> And since since Michael has like the very bad habit of frequently disappearing after being dropped, there needs to be like during during one of those things where it's like, oh, I thought he was dead. We turned around. Now he's off frame. We just need to have Loomis be like, yeah, well, you know, it wouldn't be Tuesday. <laughs> I kind of like this idea of Michael sitting in the um, and like the the common room, mm-hmm. like watching the. TV and he's just sitting there and on TV is a um, like a just some guy on TV just doing um, like a sleight of hand magic tricks ah and and it's always in, it's the whole misdirection thing mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that's it that's the, you just see him just sitting there he's he's just still that same kind of like look on his face he's not like he's taking notes or anything or writing anything down he's he's not practicing like Agent Cho or anything like that he's just <laughs> sitting there and like. And then, you know, when the first time he disappears, it's like, oh, there it is. That's, <laughs> there's that, that whole, it's like, it's a little bit different, but it's the whole misdirection thing. You're like, you take your eyes off of him just for a minute, you know, and, you know, he's gone. It would be stupid. I don't, I don't even want to suggest it really. <laughs> just, I just pictured like Michael cornering somebody and taking the knife and then like doing the sleight of hand to where it disappears. He reaches <laughs> behind their ear and just pulls the knife out of their head. And they drop dead. <laughs> that would be awesome. It'd be so funny. It'd be stupid, but it'd be so funny. <laughs> okay. Now this is. All wrong, and it's a stupid idea, but at the same time, it kind of feels like it could be interesting. So, oh, one thing we had to establish is how Michael finds Lori. <laughs> it's like he's, he's standing in a phone booth with a phone book, and he's like, I can't read! <laughs> well, she, you know, she's been adopted, she's changed her name, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, which is something that, 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 uh, that Mark uh, Fanboy Flicks brought up, which is like, why does she still live in the same damn town that all this shit happened in? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, well, I know in the original movie, he just sees, he goes back to his house and he sees her dropping off some boxes there or something. I mean, I, I like shit my pants when I was in like the third grade and I begged my mom for us to move. <laughs> I mean, I begged. <laughs> I can only imagine what would happen if, like, like half my family got slaughtered. Because, <laughs> I mean, of course, I'd shit my pants then, too. I'm like, oh, gotta move. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but, like, how does, how does he, how does he even know she's even still around? Yeah. Hmm. 
It's like he's wandering around the town, looking around, like, looks really lost, and then he overhears, like, I swear, Lori, you just haven't been the same since your brother murdered all your family <laughs> and wound up in the asylum. Oh. He, like, knowing, he, he like, does the, the Jim Halpert look into the camera like the office. Oh. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> How about this? Loomis, um, like, so in, like, the Rob Zombie one, right? Loomis released the book and everything about the, uh, the whole thing. Mm-hmm. What I would like is, if we do a book thing, um, is, um, is, he's getting a lot of flack in the book because he's sympathetic towards Michael. Hmm. Because, yes, his whole thing is like, it's, it's, it's too easy to demonize him if you don't know him, but if you know him, then it's almost impossible because you you don't see any malice within him. Mm-hmm. There's nothing he's done outside of, you know, I was this, you know, that, you know, that, that shows anything like, you know, of, of that nature. Um, and you could even say that maybe, and he's like, that's, this is not my position, but you could even say maybe he's not guilty. No one actually saw him do any of this. Mm-hmm. He was just there. So, you know, when you, when you've talked to him, when you've looked at him, and, you know, when you've been in the same room with him, you know, then it, you know, you could, you could find yourself saying, you know, this is not the person that could have done that. I know for a fact it is, but there's something within him that, you know, that is not the vicious monster that they make him out to be. And so something like that, where people are focusing on that and not the part where he's like, but he very much is a monster, right? Right, Like, I know he killed these people. Everybody knows he did it. But, you know, if you spend time with him, it'd be very easy for you to be able to say that that's not possible and look at everything and be like, well, you could, you know, you could make a case for maybe it wasn't him. Yeah. I didn't know very much that it was, but people focus on that aspect of it and like, you know, and him just kind of like, you know, in a sense, trying to humanize him. You know, as a doctor would, mm-hmm. and and so even though the book is selling well, he's getting a lot of hate mail because of that. Because you're like, how could you defend that monster and and all that? And then of course, some people are using that like you know uh, other like killers and stuff, or kind of using that as a way of um, of you know like trying to get their their cases looked at or trying to get sympathy from people being like you know oh well you know like you know I you know. I, I'm not, I'm not a, an evil monster either. You know, I don't know what made me do what I did. I know I did it, but you know, like, but look, I never sure done anything if I like killed someone. I would remember. <laughs> it's like you know that that kind of thing. So like, it's it's kind of opening the door to to people trying to take advantage of of what he said mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and you know and misconstrue the, misconstrue the words. So he's taking a lot of flack for that, um, which. Uh, so in the process of all that, right, then there is a, uh, an interview, uh, or maybe, maybe not even an interview. Maybe the people are in, uh, Haddonfield and they're like, you know, uh, the only survivor of that night was the baby, whatever it was. Um, we tried to get an interview with them and, uh, and they were, then they declined, but where the reporter is standing, Right. Uh-huh. Even though they're not in front, they're not like at the house and not there. But, you know, clearly if they're standing like the standing in whatever location it is, yeah. then, you know, that person lives somewhere near there. Uh-huh. uh-huh. And that's why Michael leaves is because that's the first indication he has of where she is. Huh. And at that point, he's like, oh, now I have a, it's like, now I have someplace, like a direction. Like now I have something to, to work off. Yeah. Now, tell me what you think of this. He finds Lori, okay? Uh-huh. So, you know, he's kind of kind of doing the whole stalker thing. Um, and, uh, and he finds her, and he, like, you know, kind of, like, gets her, like, um, kind of to himself. Mm-hmm. And mask on, right? You know, he's kind of holding her, and and she's frightened, of course. Uh, and, you know, playing, you know, uh, what do you want? Please don't hurt me. Yada, yada, yada. Of course, he's killed some people by this time, but they, they 
haven't you know attributed to him yet because they don't know who he is just like guy broke out of prison he's got you know you no one's really seen who's killed except for a, a big person and he's got the mask on that kind of stuff so mm-hmm. hasn't really been the connection has been made yet but obviously a you know, big guy you know that you know grabbed her and's holding her hostage she's you know like oh you're this guy um and then of course it's mike myers and uh, michael myers and uh and he's just holding her there and he's just looking in her eyes and she looks in his eyes and there's something there and maybe we do a flashback to him rocking the the bassinet mm, mm. looking down at the baby baby looking up at him right and it's not it's not an instant recognition but there's something there where it's like and then um he lets her go and she tosses in the knife from across the room. She's like, "Do your thing, brother." <laughs> and she, uh, he lets her go. Uh huh. Right. And he's just saying he, he doesn't walk away. He just he lets go of her, and then just kind of like takes a couple steps back or to the side, and where to where now she can like walk out the door. And she just slowly, carefully keeping her eyes on him, just kind of like eases out the door. And then, of course. Lori, we found you, blah, 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 what's going on, yada, yada, yada. Then she gets, you know, told about, because her parents won't let her, they, they, they're the ones that didn't do the interview. Mm-hmm. Tell her about who her, the brother and, and all that kind of stuff, right? And then Michael comes after her. Nice, nice. Because, like, you know, as a child, like, you were too young. But now you're old enough. And now he's also, he's like, kind of in his own way, it's like, now you know who I am. Now you know who you are. Mm-hmm. Game on. Yeah. It's like, now, now you know why this has to happen. <laughs> right. Again, we still don't know why, right? And and it's not it's not like it's a game term, but it's like, that was, that would have been wrong. But for some reason, his family has to die. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I like it. I like it. And then that's why I was like, that's why he's after Laura. He's like, <clears throat> he couldn't kill her then. She was too young. And you think that maybe it's because, like say, you start up in the beginning where, I, like, oh, maybe he cares for her. Or maybe it's because, you know, some of his mom said whichever path we want to go down. But then it's like, you know, nope, he's going to kill her. She was just a little too young at that moment. But now he's come back and we still don't know what it is. But yeah, yeah. The only other suggestion I can think of, and it would totally turn things on its head, but sometimes that's the fun of of a reboot. But uh, <clears throat> you you end the first movie with Laurie actually able to overcome Michael. Okay. So and you know, there's just no reason that you can't fall back on what the first movie did. Have have her get an assist from from Loomis. So, like, you know, she, I I know in the original movie, she stabs Michael in the eye with a knitting needle and Loomis shoots him in the head and chest a bunch. Mm -hmm. Whatever happens there. But, like, you you do have that moment where their eyes meet and basically Laurie fully realizes she is related to Michael Myers. So, that's revealed in the second movie, we we reveal it in this movie. She has to come to grips with the fact that, okay, I am blood relative to Michael Myers. She overcomes here. She uh, she kills Michael, and then as you're doing these like this closing stuff, where she asks Loomis, "Is that the boogeyman?" and Loomis says, "Yes." Then Loomis looks down, and Laurie has stabbed him. Ooh! So she takes on the mantle of Michael. And again, we don't know why. Like, yeah, we don't know why. But then that kind of makes it like a, a systemic thing. Like maybe this whole family's fucked up. Right. I like that. Um, it would piss off a lot of people. It would. Especially a lot of Jamie Lee Curtis fans. But uh, I mean, like that, that just totally changes the direction. And it also kind of allows for what they'd originally planned on doing with the series. Because, you know, once Season of the Witch came along, they were planning on being done with Michael. So it's like, well, you know, make it about the town. Make, like, the whole town fucked up. <laughs> that would smell nobody ever leaves. Yeah. Oh, there you go. 
<clears throat> so I was thinking, um, um, uh, with Michael, um, you know, the, the whole, uh, so after Lori kills Michael and, um, and she knows who she is and, um, like her, her family being killed, like she doesn't like her brother did that. Her brother killed her family. And she's like, you know, she, she doesn't wear that. She's like, I, I had nothing to do with, it. I was a baby. Like he, whatever he did, he did. But she starts to feel guilty in some way mm-hmm. because of all the people that got killed when he came after her. Yeah. Even though yeah. she's not rich, it's not her fault. I mean, she's not responsible for any of that, but something about like, that is like, you know, all these people like were killed because, you know, because of me, because he came after me, even though I didn't know anything about it. Like they, they, like they all died and, and I feel I feel guilty about that, mm-hmm. you know, because because mm-hmm. you know, they these people like all these lives for just my life is like it doesn't it doesn't balance out, especially considering she's like still in high school and he's like like or, or graduating high school or whatever. It's like I haven't done anything you know notable with my life to where any of these people should have like been sacrificed for me, right, even right. even unwillingly. Um, just a little bit of, of guilt there, um, but I want to do something with. With Michael, you know where the whole thing about him being the boogeyman, right? You right, saying? right. Um, and uh, and especially when when he's gone, uh, like I, I want this this moment where um, <clears throat> where like she kind of breaks down, you know, like because like her her entire life's been turned upside down. Like first I get kidnapped by this guy, and then I'm told that you know. I've been adopted and my original parents and, and family were all killed mm-hmm. by this guy who was my brother, who's now shown back up to kill me. Like, you know, it's like, you know, like hell of a night, huh, Ted? Right. <laughs> so, so, um, so she kind of, kind of has a breakdown there. You know, the police are there. Loomis is kind of like, like consoling her and, um, and, uh, and the police come in and they're like, you know, uh, doctor, what room did you say the body was in? He's like, outside on, on the lawn is like there's nobody out there <laughs> yeah, and then yeah. they go and they look and it's like and then you know and then Lewis says something about about the boogeyman uh, uh, but I want I want something to kind of make it feel like um kind of get that kind of that uh, possession or like or the whole like being just born evil you know mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. um yeah you know like he, she may say like how, and he's, he's like you know, you know. I, maybe he just says just like I said, he's the boogeyman. Yeah, you just leave it like that. But like, you know. yeah, that that does that does pay loving tribute to the first film because Loomis, when when they turn and Michael's gone, he doesn't look surprised at all. He's just like, okay, <laughs> back at it. Oh my goodness. Okay. This is, this is probably a, um, this is probably something for, for part two, the sequel. Okay. Is, um, so Loomis is putting the whole Michael Myers thing behind him, right? Mm-hmm. Especially after the, uh, and he's also, um, <clears throat> uh, he's, his, uh, medical license is being reviewed, um, by the board because they're like, how could you not have seen this coming? Like, all these people die because of this. And yeah, yeah, he's like, yeah, but I stopped treating him a long time ago. He's like, but, Apparently, you know, you still didn't do things right. It's like you knew that this was going to happen, and it's like, yeah, but what can I do about it? I couldn't warn anybody. You know, like they want somebody to blame, and obviously, he's going to be the one. Mm-hmm. So, in the meantime, his license has been suspended while a pending review, and he's just kind of like packing up his office because you know, it's like uh, now um, I'm just picturing Loomis played by Jerry Seinfeld. Mm-hmm. Like, no, he's a very disarming person. You would, <laughs> you would not expect him to go on rampage like that. I was surprised. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. You're, you're not, 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 not even, not even. <laughs> Who told you to go to rampage? I didn't tell you to go to rampage. You're going to rampage. Well, Doctor Loomis told you to go to rampage. <laughs> 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 
Yeah, do so, go so, on. So, 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 so Loomis is like he's you know just kind of just packing up his office and and there's a question by like his his like um uh his assistant um and about like you know you know it's you, know, you didn't do anything wrong like it's a review you know once the review is over and it's like no nah, it's like this it, it's already over so like, even if they come back and they don't take me away, take my license away I've already lost all my patience mm-hmm. like none of them are going to come back. My name has been, my reputation has been destroyed, even if I'm cleared. Mm-hmm. And it's like, so, like, there's nothing left for me to practice. Um, <clears throat> and he's, he's packing everything up and he has like the Michael's case file, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, with him. And as he's kind of packing stuff up in a, like, um, something like, uh, the, uh, one that the things falls out of the box, the box tips over and like all spills out and there's a bunch of like, Michael's drawings of like his happy family. Yeah. So Loomis starts kind of collecting them up and everything. He's like kind of collecting them all and like, you know, turning them all right side up and he's putting them all, you know, stacking them all up and he starts to notice something. So he starts taking all the pictures of Mike with his happy family and realizes that Michael's standing in the same spot in all the, the little like a uh, uh, crayon drawings he's, he's done. No matter what they're doing, Michael's always standing in the same spot. Mm-hmm. And as he starts stacking them up, where they're slightly see-through, right? Yeah, yeah. The image of Michael gets darker and darker and darker because he's standing ah. in the same spot each one. Uh-huh. So once you stack them up, you get this image of this black, like, menacing figure. Nice, nice. I like that. I like that. And then when Michael resurfaces, or or maybe maybe he doesn't resurface, maybe it's because Michael's body's never shown up and mm-hmm. now Loomis doesn't have anything to do and he's like, you know, maybe, maybe I could get somewhat of my career back if I found Michael and put him down for good. Yeah, yeah. So, you've got Loomis on the hunt for Michael before he resurfaces. Hmm. I like it. <clears throat> yeah, I think that could work. So, I gotta kill Loomis in, in, uh, in the second episode, in the second movie, though. Yeah, uh, well, he does die in the second movie. Um, so in order to save Lori's life, right? Loomis is like, he's like, you know, like Michael, yeah, when both of them are, they, Lori and Loomis are both disarmed, right? Mm-hmm. And it's just Michael there with, you know, whatever his instrument is. And Michael's, Michael's always in the knife guy. Isn't I don't think he's, I think yeah. he, like in a pinch, he's used other stuff, but he doesn't normally carry around like a spike battery thing, right? Yeah, nah, nah. Mm-hmm. His, his trademark is kind of that kitchen knife. So. Uh, so Michael's about to kill Lori and Loomis is there and, uh, and he's not in any position to really stop him. Uh, maybe he's, he's already hurt and he can't, you know, get over to him. And Michael's about to kill Lori and he's Loomis. Like, Michael, I can't feel my legs. <laughs> and that's when Michael finally breaks here. He's like, that's cause he ain't there. And then he immediately puts his hand over his mouth. Like, oh. Right there, folks. That was our moms think we're funny. Let's uh, let's give them a hand. <laughs>